Hello and welcome to Stream It. This is the film and TV podcast full of things for you to watch. Now we're stepping back in time today to the age of the dinosaurs for a totally awesome episode. Do you love what I did there? Great. Grab your popcorn, get comfy. This is Fun Kids Stream It. So hey, hello, my name's Connor and in this week's episode we're getting up close and personal with some pretty big beasts dinosaurs. Now there's a brand new series of Prehistoric Planet. It's out this week on Apple TV Plus and we're chatting to two of the key players behind the series and I'm going over some of my favourite dino-themed film and TV franchises ever. So as you know, Stream It is all about taking you behind the scenes so you can find out more about your favourite films and TV shows. As I said, there's a brand new series of Prehistoric Planets starting on Apple TV this week. And in just a second, Dan's chatting to Mike Gunson and Tim Walker from the BBC Natural History Unit. They're the big brains behind the series. But first, let's find out more about it. 66 million years ago, planet Earth was ruled by dinosaurs, both majestic and extraordinary. The mysteries of their lives have been largely undiscovered. Until now. Prehistoric Planet 2 is narrated by none other than Sir David Attenborough, of course, and follows on from the hugely successful first series of Prehistoric Planet. Now, if you've seen it before, it's basically a nature documentary, but with loads of, like, CGI dinosaurs living on Earth in locations and conditions that experts think dinosaurs would have called home. Join us for a journey like no other where there's always more to experience and more to discover. Explore five new worlds filled with danger and adventure. This is Prehistoric Planet 2. TV Plus. Oh my word, doesn't that sound absolutely incredible? And as promised, Dan got to catch up with the big guns behind the series. I'm very jealous. Their names are Mike Gunton and Tim Walker. They're both producers on the programme, and here's what happened when they sat down to chat. Uh, Tim, let me just start by asking, what's the time frame for making something like this. It seems like such a mind-bogglingly long and huge process. When do you have the first idea? And then what happens next before we see it on screen? The first idea for this came from the guy sat to my right, Mike. Uh, He had the idea over 11, 12 years ago when he was making another series. It then took a long time to get all the people in the right place to join up with Apple TV+. Plus and to get everything going. We started the production four and a half years ago. Uh, we, we kick off thinking about what dinosaurs are going to be in it, what other animals are going to be in it, where we're going to film. We start writing stories based on the fossils that show us which animals were around in which locations. And then we think about what other characters we want to bring in. And then we start the filming process. We go and film a real-world back place. That's the beautiful scenery you see in the background. And then the real hardcore work starts when we design the dinosaurs and start using animation to turn those dinosaurs into 
them to bunch of real depictions of what we think they look like. So the whole thing, about four and a half years, but Mike had the idea over 12 years ago. <laughs> Tim, you mentioned hard work there. And I did notice that at the start when you put some of the responsibility on Mike. Mike, you had your head in your hands at one point. So just, just, <laughs> just tell us, what are the, some of the problems and the monumental challenges that face making a project of this sheer size. It's such a big endeavour that we see. What do you kind of stumble across, Mike? The main thing about this is to be authentic and accurate. So for, to put all this time and work into this, it would be heartbreaking if we got it wrong. So you have to make commitments to what these animals are going to look at. Before you can bring them to life, so much work has to go into that. And so every time you make a decision about they have feathers. What? How fast can they run? How? What do their beaks look like? What do their claws look like? What do their all those decisions about about the project? Once you've made them, there's no going back. So that that's the hardest thing of all. Because what you fear is you've decided it's going to be like this, and then some scientist finds a new fossil and says, "Ah, sorry, actually, that <laughs> well got three of ones instead of two. Luckily, that that didn't happen. But also, I think it's not even that it's a, ch- a challenge. One of the joys of doing it is when you do all that work. It's like creating um, something that it starts off just as a nebulous thing on a computer. As you go further and further through the project, this thing genuinely feels like it's coming to life. And so when you see the final project, you feel like you've been transported. You've got into a time machine. You've flown back 66 million years, opened the doors, and there you are having a safari on planet Earth at the time of the dinosaurs. There they are. And if you get that right, I think we have, it's such an extraordinary experience because wouldn't we all love to be able to do that? How do you begin collecting the research for this? I mean, we've touched on suddenly we might find another fossil which completely changes the game, but you mentioned the stories earlier. And I was thinking about the other series that Sir David Attenborough has given us, you know, Planet Earth or the Wild Isles series that was on telly recently. And we follow these creatures. And I know that the cameramen and people who work on it uh, do it over the course of many, many years tracking these animals. But this is completely different because they're all computer generated. So how do you do the research to come up with these stories, Tim? Well, look, it is different, but it's very similar as well, because that's the, the beauty of this marriage between the BBC Natural History Unit and the CGI world, is that we take the expertise of people that have been out filming animals for many, many years. They've experienced what it's like to try and capture amazing behavior of lions or bears or puffins or foxes, and we take that experience and then marry it together with the amazing animation work that the CGI artists do. And to get our stories, we start off with the fossil record. So we know quite a lot about this period in geological time. It's called the Maastrichtian. It's the last few million years of the dinosaur's reign, round about 66 million years ago. There's a really good fossil record there that shows us the animals and the plants that were around at that time. So we can see which animals were around. We can see what kind of habitats they were living in. Then we think about the types of behavior they do. And animals do the same kind of behavior across the world. So animals that are in Australia do very, very similar things to ones that are in Africa or in America to get over the issues that they face by just having to live every day. They need to mate. They need to eat. They need to not be eaten by predators. So all of these normal daily behaviors. The same set of behaviors had to take place 66 million years ago because a dinosaur was an animal. 
And so it had to eat, it had to mate, it had to try not to be eaten if it was a smaller one. And so we can start to build this incredibly rich picture, all based on the fossil record, then combining the experience of the wildlife teams, the paleontologists and the CGI experts. It just paints this really rich picture of what it must have been like 66 million years ago. You are like Sherlock Holmes, picking all these wounds from lots of different areas and then putting them all together, and the jigsaw puzzle doesn't work quite right, and you find another bit of the jigsaw puzzle, and then another bit, and they click. Suddenly goes to the bridge, you go, ah, ah, that must be the way it happened. So wow. I'm pretty confident, you know, when all the bits of evidence come together, you can be pretty confident that is a, as accurate as it's possible to be. We spoke about the, the technological developments of really helped this show happen. And Mike, we heard earlier how this has been in your mind for like 12 years. At what point, when you're making a show like this, do you start to think about the incredible technology and the future of technology that might help you bring this to life and how that might change in the future? So we've got this now, but in 10 years, we might get an even better representation of dinosaurs. When do you start to make those choices? Well, there's no doubt, even in the even in the last five years when we've been working on this project, the speed of the computing power, which of course you have to have for this, the, the amount of computing power to, to generate as creatures is utterly mind-blowing. But and that, that has increased. Of course, technology is a big part of this, but I'm pleased to say that no, another big part of this is human endeavor, yeah. imagination, joining the dots in a way that at the moment, only the human brain, I think, is capable of doing. So, yes, of course, being able to speed up the, the computing power, maybe do the job quicker, but whether it'll be better, I don't know. I think there's some ingredients in this that I think isn't in the realm of computing. It's still in the realm of the human brain and the intuition and the imagination that the human brain needs to have to join these dots of all this disparate evidence that comes from so many different sources to come up with these stories and feel that they're authentic. There was a couple of really cool bits of technology that we embraced that were developing as we were making the production as well. One of them was we started to use game technology. Loads of people have got VR headsets and you know, virtual reality games. We did the same with our dinosaurs. So we made virtual environments that had the dinosaurs in them. And you could don a VR headset and enter that world and work out where you would be near a T-Rex or near some of the pterosaurs and work out where to place your cameras. So you're entering this VR version of the prehistoric planet to produce the shots that are then eventually going to turn into these photoreal depictions of the dinosaurs. I still think the intuition still comes from that scientific... It comes from experience. It comes from physical experience. You know, one of the reasons why I think this series feels and looks the way it does, as Tim has said, we are wildlife filmmakers, so we're used to filming animals. We know when it feels right what animals are doing. And I think that's unique, because mo I think most people who have tried to enter this world in the past perhaps haven't had that experience. You can't buy that. You can only get that by doing it. You know, you have to you have, to have done this thing. David Ashton was involved in this series, as you know, he's been doing this for 75 years. You know, that, that's, that, that, that's something you just... That's unique. Well, let's lastly just speak about Sir David Attenborough. He has brought us so many fantastic programs over the last 75 years, as you mentioned, opened so many people's eyes to the, the world around us in, in ways that have never been done before. And this, again, this new one is game-changing. It would seem to me he only puts his name on something that has to be 
the best of the best. It's the seal of approval. How inspirational is that for you and for filmmakers working with someone who it, it, it just it needs to be great. It needs to be fantastic. You can't let I'll use the cliche national treasure, but you can't let Sir David Attenborough down. Well, you've hit the nail on the net. It's exactly right. That is exactly right. The self-pressure to do your best work because you're working with the the best. And so you don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to let him down. And also, he's still, you know, he's got an incredible TV burn. And yet he gives great, what we call notes, pointers about where, where, what he thinks it should be like. And that's still incredibly valuable. He's got such a, a wonderful sense of what makes great TV. And working with him on this project was was the vital ingredient for its feel. It wouldn't feel like it does without his voice on it. Yes, the authority and the pleasure you get from hearing him tell these stories. It's, our, it's the final cherry on top of the cake. When he not only gives a seal of approval, but when he does his voice recording for it, it's like hearing the best storyteller read you a bedtime story about dinosaurs. Wow. Well, if, if you're listening to this and you love dinosaurs, and why wouldn't you, and you want to time travel, watching this show, it's a new prehistoric planet. It's just doing it in a way that you would never experience before. It's all the brilliant work of Mike Gunton, Tim Walker. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Pretty cool, eh? Remember, that's Prehistoric Planet 2. It's out this week on Apple TV+. Plus. Check it out. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I love dinosaurs. In fact, there's loads of amazing dinosaur-themed TV programs and movies. And so, since this episode is all about dinos, I thought I'd share with you my favourites. Here's a quick countdown to some of my favourite dino shows of all time. And we finish on something new, too. First up, Dino Dana. You can find this on Amazon Prime. So in it, we follow Dana, a young paleontologist in training. Now, with the help of a special field guide, Dana has the ability to see dinosaurs in the real world. episode focuses on different dinosaur species as Dana observes their behaviour, learns interesting facts and unravels their mysteries to share with you. Welcome to Isla Nublar, campers. You are the first kids in the entire world to ever experience the awesomeness that is Camp Cretaceous. I don't do well on windy roads. Second on my list is Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Now, you can find this on Netflix and ITVX. Now, it's an animated series set within the popular Jurassic Park franchise. So this show takes place parallel to the events of the first Jurassic World film, it follows a group of six teenagers who are invited to attend a brand new adventure camp. Now, however, when the dinosaurs break free from the enclosures, the campers must work together to survive and find a way off the island. Sounds a little bit interesting and a little bit scary. Take a watch of that. Please tell me you have a plan. We'll get south to the park. We're a team or we're nothing at all. This is what camp's about. Who's with me? 
And there's also The Good Dinosaur. This is a heartwarming Pixar animated film. Now, this presents an alternative history where dinosaurs never faced extinction. I think we went far enough today. Let's get you home. The story centers around Arlo, a young and timid Apatosaurus, who gets separated from his family and finds himself in a harsh and unfamiliar world. Along his journey, he forms an unlikely friendship with a wild human boy named Spot. Great name. Together, they navigate the treacherous landscape, encounter various creatures, and learn important lessons about courage, resilience, and the power of friendship. You can find that one on none other than Disney+. And I promise you something new. There's never a dull moment on Dino Ranch. Think you can handle these rascals? <laughs> totally adorable. Dino Ranch. That's right. There's a brand new series of Dino Ranch out soon on Tiny Pop. It starts on International Dinosaur Day, which is June the 1st. Yeah, there's a day for it. Make a little note. Get it in your diary. Allow me to present the Dino Rumbler. Wow. <laughs> Dino Ranch follows the adventures of the Cassidy family as they tackle life in a prehistoric world where dinosaurs still roam. As the young ranchers learn the ropes, they discover the thrill of ranch life whilst navigating the great outdoors. Season 2 is exciting. It brings new adventures when the young ranchers take to the skies with new flying dinos in the tent bow event, Dinosaur. You can catch it on Tiny Pop, but also on demand on the Pop Player. That's how you break the crappy Pachyosaur. And that's all we've got time for in this week's episode of Stream It. We have had a very diner excellent. Is that a word? A diner excellent episode. And all right, if you enjoyed the episode, give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes because we've got loads more to come. And rate the podcast five stars too. I think I deserve it. Thank you. I'm Connor and Stream It is made by Fun Kids, the UK's children's radio station. This episode was produced and edited by Adam Stoner with additional editing from Megan Thomas. Thanks, guys. If you want to get involved with episodes in the future, head on over to funkidslive.com forward slash stream it to see how you can hear your voice on the pod. That's right, you can come join the team. See you soon. Bye. Bye.